Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Chris here, along with Alec and Peter. Uh, after, uh, I gotta say, a heartbreaking loss to the New England Patriots just last night in a uh, complete downpour of a game. I don't know about you guys, I haven't seen a game rain that much in a pretty long time. We went to the San Francisco game last year, and that was kind of miserable. Uh, I cannot imagine sitting in the stands at Gillette through that game. It was just unbelievably wet, and by the end of the game, I'm sure the players were just, you know, felt terrible from losing the game and also felt like crap just from the weather. But yeah, let's let's talk about it, guys. What uh, what are your initial reactions from yesterday's loss? Ugh, the universe was crying. <laughs> I don't know if I can sum it up any better than that. I mean, it's like, I, I will say, and we'll get into this, I will say the actual performance of the game I think was a solid team effort where you had one of the smartest coaches in NFL history know exactly where the weak points are, where the weak players were, and just attack them relentlessly. And I think that was a big part of the equation in the loss on Sunday night. However, and Alec mentioned this in the chat while we were watching the game, the biggest takeaway from this game is not necessarily the play, but just the fact that the injury report continues to mount additional players, which means that down the line, we're going to have to see additional snaps from these players who are playing roles that they're not quite suited for. And that's going to be tough going forward. Yeah. It's the second game in a row. We're starting off with like injury corner, which sucks, particularly when you have another season ending injury to uh, Nick Boyle, who um, hot take. I honestly think losing Nick Boyle is similar if not worse from a scheme perspective than lose as losing Lamar to an injury uh, for this offense I think the way that we have to run plays uh, if we went to RG3 is not that big of a shift whereas losing Boyle we have no equivalent whatsoever that was the side effect of trading Hurst uh, and we all know Hurst wanted to leave he wanted to be the top dog so it's not really I don't really wrong the Ravens organization, but we went into the year without depth there. We never found a solution. And now we are going to ask Mark Andrews, who's never played, uh, you know, 85, 90% of snaps to do that. Um, so he's going to be next in the injury report. Um, <laughs> kidding, but like also not. Uh, and <laughs> like, that's the kind of year we're having. Um, bonds are our prayer to even get on the roster and play any downs. He got hurt, so uh, I don't know who's next. <laughs> I guess they'll, they'll sign another guy off the streets. Brandon Williams, he might miss this week. It's unsure. And Campbell is now at least upgraded to day-to-day. So it'd be a real blessing to get him back for the next game. But uh, I wouldn't get your hopes up. I don't know. I, I, I have a, a suspicion that Humphrey's actually hurt, and we're not hearing about it yet. And I'm hoping that he's okay, because he was grabbing his shoulder. Um, and... We'll see. But yeah, so we got some injuries. Uh, I really hope Nick Boyle recovers soon. You know it's bad when you hear uh, the Patriots players like yelling to the sidelines to come and uh, check this guy out because it was bad. And uh, yeah, he's he's done so. I don't know if we got an official what it actually is, um, but it's uh, did not look pretty. Yeah, that was... Um it was a hard play to watch, a hard replay. I know uh, messaging Alec, I, I, I didn't, I feel like I didn't see it initially and I was, 
you know, the only thing I kind of saw was the boil fell down, and I I knew that uh, it was actually Lawrence Guy, uh, a former Raven, who was signaling to the Raven sideline, like, "Hey, come on, come on, get out and uh, take a look at Boyle." Um, but then on the replay, it was it was very clear to me, like, "Oh yeah, this is uh, this is not a good not a good injury." But I want to go back to what you just said, Alec, and and just you know the impact of what Boyle's going to have. I don't think you can you, you can't overstate this enough. I'm just going to say this for any fan out there who was concerned about uh, Greg Roman and offensive play calling and, you know, uh, offensive tendencies and, and whatever have you of, you know, oh, just going back to run the ball, just do the same thing we did last year. With Nick Boyle gone and with Ronnie Stanley gone, that that's just not going to happen, period. Uh, do not expect the Ravens to be the 2019 Ravens moving forward. They're just going to have to adapt and be a different team. Uh, Boyle was just way too valuable in terms of a piece that could be moved around um, in the run game and also a weapon in the passing game. And like you said, I mean, we already knew that Hayden Hurst was traded. We didn't have the three ton end sets. We, are, we were already talking in the offseason how the Ravens have to adapt to more of a passing game. W- with Boyle gone, I mean, we have now we have Andrews, we have one tight end. And we have uh, Ricard, who still is, you know, on the roster. I know sometimes people tend to forget about him, but he still is there. <laughs> but even between the two of those guys, you're not going to recreate the same offense that we had in 2019. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to look a lot different moving forward. And uh, you know, initial reactions for it, it's you know, it's it's definitely upsetting. This team definitely came in with a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of potential, a lot of expectations, but. Now I, I think uh, we got to recalibrate. I just, uh, you know, fortunately there's still time left in the season, but I, I think, you know, expectations definitely have to be lowered given everything that's happened. Yeah, I, I definitely agree what you're saying with how this is going to necessitate a change in the offense. You've lost, we've lost Nick Boyle for the season. Huge run blocker and not just, you know, because of his skill there, but just because of how many positions he can play along that line, how many formations he allowed you to do. And, you know, obviously we've lost Ronnie Stanley for the year as well, a couple of weeks ago. So it's going to necessitate it to open up the playbook a lot more than they have. Maybe we're going to be seeing some more spread formations, more four wide receiver sets. But yeah, at the same time though, I, I don't know if I'm as ready to recalibrate my expectations for the team yet. The one reason I say that is because when Lamar Jackson is on, he, he's still so hard for defenses to stop. You know, the, even in the rain against a, a Patriots defense that was playing better than we expected, and, you know, we had some guys down on offense, Lamar still put up 250 passing yards, was able to get two touchdowns, 55 rushing yards. You know, he didn't play his best game, but it was far from his worst, and I don't know. I I have to see how they react to this first before I temper my expectations personally because this team has still only gotten blown out once this year by Kansas City. And absolutely, you know, we're going to talk next episode about how this defense is supposed to contain Derrick Henry with an uh, at best hobbled Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell if the Ravens are blessed to even have that much. Um, and then we got to play the Steelers down some guys that we didn't have in that first meeting that's going to be difficult as well uh, but yeah there's it's certainly going to be very interesting how this team reacts to this new adversity that 
I mean, it's not really, it's, it's this mounting adversity that they didn't have to face last year because of a, a historically clean bill of health that teams usually don't have is what they had last year. Yeah, I'm not ready to completely readjust expectations because I think for the last week or two, I've already been declining in my expectations that we have reached. It's like, it's definitely solidified now, but it reached the point of like, okay, we're in 2012 territory. We have a team that unfortunately is deeply flawed in some key ways, and they're going to have to get hot at the right time. And that can happen. We see it all the time, but they're not going to be the best team in football if they win the Super Bowl, right? So, I mean, here's the winning formula, right? Everyone on the, So, unfortunately, like, we have a lot of injuries on defense right now. No one's really talking about LJ Fort being out, but, like, I think that's a huge problem right now. But everyone should be back by the end of the year. So, all you have to do is, like, crawl into the playoffs. And I think if the defense is at full strength, they're very good. And as long as Lamar Jackson's still on the field, you have a shot. So, there's a way that this works out. And, like, we can still hoist the Lombardi trophy. It's just not going to be with any confidence. Um, right. Yeah, like, or that's a good I, point. Like, I, I mean, it totally could still happen any given Sunday. I mean, I mean, Joe Flacco uh, could win the Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he, he could he could stack some wins at the end of the season here, and they get in the playoffs, and you know, <laughs> you, you know, any, anything's possible. But uh, I think our, we have a better shot than that. <sighs> I don't know, guys. We're gonna have to see people step up. That's what we were talking about, uh, particularly on offense. They suck. I mean. I think Lamar had a pretty good game. He wasn't perfect. He forced the ball a couple times. Uh, he threw an almost interception. Um, he threw an actual interception where it hurt. The running back room is a mess yet again. The wide receivers are not inspiring. We'll get there. Uh, the offensive line is a total disaster. I mean, <laughs> everything's kind of on fire, but like, there's a there's still a chance to put it all together. Uh, there's a lot of talent still there, but it's not good right now. It's not good at all. Well, why don't with that, let's let's go into Lamar a little bit and start talking about the offense. Um, I definitely agree with you guys. I think this is probably one of his better games. Again, not not his best, but uh, for some of the games recently that we've seen Lamar play, I mean, we've we've noted that he's made a you know some poor decisions. You know, it looked like he'd been a little careless at sometimes, uh, especially throwing to uh, some linebackers in, in some zones. There's just some balls that he had just really really you know on on second watch you were like why'd you throw that like you know what or why'd you force that in this game i i thought in particular i mean he was a little bit more decisive on some of the underneath stuff i think part of that definitely had something to do with uh, willie sneed stepping up uh, i mean this is the second game in, in three or four weeks that sneed has really really had an impact and uh, i think that definitely helps a lot uh, for lamar to have a guy who he can trust to get open and uh pick up some yards and and move the chains so that's big even though uh you know Lamar wasn't connecting with Brown um I I thought that you know at least the line gave him time to take some of those shots particularly early on in the game I'm talking before the uh, interception just before halftime but Lamar took one or two shots down the field to Hollywood and I thought overall uh, you know it was good it's something that we've noted that the Ravens offense has lacked and you know, at times it feels like they're kind of playing with too little space and they need to stretch the defense out a little bit. But yeah, you're right. You know, Peter, at the end of the day, almost 250 passing yards, 55 rushing yards. That's a pretty good game for Lamar. Yeah, Lamar's far from the problem. He is going to be the solution, right? It's kind of up to him, I think, in a way to uh, figure out how to make this offense click 
And obviously he needs help. He can't do it all by himself. But if he can't get the passing game going with his receivers at this point, particularly like like we said, losing Boyle, we're not going to be able to like just dominate on the run. I mean, we thought that that's what we thought was going to happen in this game. That's what was so big of a bummer. You know, we said, oh, their linebacking core is weak. We can like bully them. We're going to get so many yards on the ground. They're not going to be able to stop it. That never happened. <laughs> like it didn't happen. And and then you have that injury and it's like it's never going to happen. <laughs> right. Like it's not going to be like that ever again. Not this year. Yeah. And it, it we're talked about so much now it's it's just we know that the answer is going to be that this is just what the 2020 Baltimore Ravens rushing back committee is going to look like but again it continues to to wonder why outside of the Pittsburgh game you don't continue to feed the hot hand Mark Ingram was back in this game and he had pretty much equal amount of carries with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards uh, five for Dobbins and Ingram apiece seven for Edwards uh, Dobbins and Ingram, not much success at all. Well, literally no success on the ground at all. Gus, though, he had 42 yards on seven carries. He was making some of his the opportunities he was getting, and he also had a catch for 31 yards. So congrats, Gus, on learning how to become a receiving running back. <laughs> but <laughs> there have a reason, I guess. I don't know. It, it, it just seems to me like a way you could approach this is if one of these three guys is having a hot night, just keep running them until the defense can't stop them anymore. And that was the case for Gus in this game. Maybe another game it would be Ingram or another game it would be Dobbins, but especially in conditions where you're playing in a monsoon. Now, granted, the, the, the rush pass distribution wasn't terrible, 34 pass attempts to 28 rush attempts, but again, only 17 of those to running backs. But... We're continuing to wonder. We're just continuing to wonder in that regard. I don't think a three-back committee works. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it works. Then just give the, the carries to, to Edwards in the second half, bench Dobbins and Ingram, when you realize that Edwards is a guy having the best success. I mean, whatever. Yeah, sure. That's fine. <laughs> it, it's just like we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen three running backs work out nicely. And the best games we've had running the ball, it was with two. I don't think it's a coincidence. I really don't. And that... Yeah. Uh, and it, it sounds like a knock on Ingram. And I don't even know if necessarily that's the case, right? He's just the only one that's gotten injured so far. But he also kind of does look like the worst of the three backs right now, in my opinion. Um, but it's so hard because he's the only vet in that whole offense. I mean, maybe you could call it Fluker, but he got benched. So, like, uh, are you going to call Snead a vet? I guess maybe. I mean, he's, like, a little bit of a vet. But they didn't, they didn't call up Dez. They didn't call up the old man. They got no vet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I guess Boyle would have been a vet. I mean, he's been around, you know, he's been around yeah, for uh, exactly, six, year, yeah. six years. Yeah. And then you have Justice Hill coming in on high leverage plays yet again. And I don't understand why. Like, they always give this guy like three plays when like, why all the important plays are you giving him the first action of the night? If he was that good of a player, you'd play him more often, right? Like, come on. This is so stupid. Uh, that, 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 that's like, I think they're just playing themselves. But the reason they're doing it is because a three-headed rushing committee doesn't work. Therefore, you need to have the fourth running back in there, and that changes everything. Okay. They already have the fourth. It's called Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we got five. <laughs> That's five. Yeah. It's too many. Yeah. No, I mean, it would be one thing, right, if, if the Ravens had two backs, like, you know, something like... Uh, 
I hate to say this, but something like the Washington football team, right? You have Antonio Gibson, who's like the bruiser, like super electric in the open field. And then you have JD McKissick, who's the new PPR master, who's going to catch like six or seven balls a game. If we had something like that, where, you know, the running backs really complemented their skill sets very well, you know, maybe you might have an offense like that. But, you know, I'm also not going to, you know, say that the Ravens need an offense like the Washington football team, because clearly the Ravens are a better team. It kind of reminds me of Mario Kart, where like all the carts are extremely similar, but like one is slightly tweaked in one direction, and one slightly tweaked yeah. in the other direction. <laughs> but they're all like indistinguishable, and it really comes down to skill and luck. <laughs> like it's like, oh, did I did I get like the right power up at the right time? <laughs> See, that's what you think, Alec. But you really got to go for max acceleration. That's where that's where you got to win the game. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Top speed is, <laughs> is garbage in that game. Yeah, but <laughs> regardless, <laughs> why don't we on this? We transition a little bit more. Uh, to the to the O line, you know. O- overall, I, you know, I'm gonna say that I felt run blocking things were okay. We had, like we said, we had some success. I didn't feel like, you know, pass pro. I thought it was all right. Again, Lamar got to take some shots. Um, he was hitting some guys and in some intermediate throws, and was able to escape the pocket a good amount. But I think the thing that everybody's going to be talking about is Matt Scarra. It's so funny because I know last week I said, I'm not worried about it. His hand will heal up. Everything will be okay. And then this game against the Patriots came. And the pouring monsoon. I don't know what happened. Scura probably won't be able to tell you what happened. But my goodness, man. Some of those snaps were just horrendous. And at the worst time, right? Like third down, fourth down, first down, but you lose 16 yards and it like foils the drive. <laughs> that was a killer play. Right yeah. there, that fourth, that fourth and one play. I mean, it was the same exact call that we had on that fourth and two in Houston. Well, yep. Mark Ingram runs in for a touchdown. And the thing is, crazy is it wasn't like new. This kept this kept happening, and I kind of was thinking to myself, okay, it's pouring cats and dogs. Skur is clearly having issues, which it could be rain, hand injury, both, and it's like a refusal, like to even try just to do a, a normal snap, like. <laughs> And, but you're you're killing yourself, right? Like, I, I couldn't believe that they never, ever put him under center. Just like, you know, are they that inexperienced and practice at that that they, they felt like that would be worse? I mean, come on. I was very surprised by that. No under center looks. I also want to just take a moment before it, it passes. Skura made a, a post on social media kind of owning up for his performance, but then like mentioning that his family is getting threats. That's totally unacceptable. If any of you guys listen to the show and did that, like, never listen again. We don't want you uh, listen to our show. Uh, <laughs> that is terrible behavior. Unbelievable. You know, we all love this team, and we care uh, a lot about what happens, but it's just a game. Like, come on. They don't owe you anything. That's that's unacceptable. So I just, I wanted to bring that up. That, that really upset me. It's one thing to be upset with the player or whatever, but, like, talking to the family and, like, I mean, and also, like, Skura came back from a crazy injury to play and I mean, produce for this team. He doesn't want to suck. Like, this is not his goal. Uh, he doesn't want to bring down the team. It's, it's no one's harder on than him. And I don't know why. That's not productive. It's just really quite sad. Yeah, I never understand individuals who feel like that's the way they need to take out their frustration from what happened on a game. And I mean, especially, like, you shouldn't do that to any player. But also in this situation, it's like, a lot of things happened in this game that caused the Ravens to lose. If Matt Skura is excellent on all of his snaps, I, that's not going to be the reason that the that the deciding factor of the game, in my opinion. You know, you still had 
issues with receivers getting open sometimes and just the biggest place where the Ravens lost this game was just in the trenches. I mean, that's pretty much, we didn't really talk too much about it with Chris, but the way the weather dictated this game, when it's raining like that, it's going to come down to the trenches of who wins that game. And the Patriots offensive line, that's like the one area where this team hasn't been suffering a lot of injuries and they're, they're pretty good there. And you know, I guess this is transitioning to the defense, and we'll get there eventually. But, I mean, if you want to look at, at where this game was lost, I think it's got to start at looking on the battle in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. Skura, you know, was definitely one of the surprises here. The snaps, obviously, were, you know, a, a factor in the game. But uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, I mean, we can, we come in here, and, you know, for the past couple of weeks, we've had to be in this formation. Orlando Brown's taken over the left tackle for Ronnie Stanley. DJ Fluker's been at right. Initially, I think that configuration had mostly worked. I know Fluker's is not the same player as Brown. Definitely a stronger run blocker than he is in pass pro. But I, I don't think many people would have expected him to be basically benched at halftime. And once that happened, I think that really threw a wrench into everything, right? Because, you know, you have... Patrick Bakari, who coming into the season had uh, taken over for center last year when Skura was hurt. So we were like, hey, he's the backup center. Cool. That's great. Well, Tyree Phillips is now injured. So McCarry was now moved over to guard. And now DJ Fluker benched. Well, now who are we going to put a tackle? Well, let's just put in our favorite guy, Makari, over on tackle. And now we slide in our... our uh, you know, Mr. Ben Powers over in right guard. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I know that the Ravens haven't, you know, always expected to to try and move the fewest uh, number of pieces as possible, but I, I didn't think that Patrick McCary was going to be the guy who could basically play any position on the line. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. For, for, <laughs> I mean, props to him, for sure, for being able to play almost all three of them, you know, somewhat seamlessly. You know, it's not like he, I don't think he was the worst lineman on the field that day. But wow, it's just, you know, it really, I think, is eye-opening. It's just, you know, we were in a position that we had to make so many different changes like that and different configurations. I mean, O-line is all about continuity and guys, you know, being comfortable working with each other and, and on their spots on the line. And when you just have that many shakeups, it's just, it really, really disrupts that. Yeah, the interesting thing with McCary is, like, they seem to be trying to turn him into uh, the, the Ryan Flaherty of the offensive line. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. You can play any position on the infield. But can you play any of them, you know, super great? Not exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what you got with what they're doing with, with Carey right now and being center and a guard now at tackle. But, <sighs> yeah, it's, the right side of the offensive line is going to be interesting going forward. I think Orlando Brown is doing as good a job as we could expect given the the circumstance with him shifting to the left side. Obviously, Stanley, you want him there, but he's more athletic than Brown, but this is what we have to do right now. Bozeman's a lot stronger in run blocking than pass, but usually he's not going to kill you too bad. But yeah, the right side of the line, uh, we'll see how many more times the Ravens uh, trot Skura out as a starter if he continues to have these issues with snapping, and then we'll see who gets the most playing time out of Powers, McCary, Bredesen, uh, Fluker if he's not hurt. But yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an open competition in practice because um, 
I don't know if you guys have looked at the standings at all, but it's a logjam right now in the AFC. I think it's like seeds four through nine. There's currently like a five-way or six-way tiebreaker for the fourth seed. So we've got the Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Titans, all at six and three, seeds four through nine. So it's going to be a, a race to the finish line. You know, all those teams... You look at those teams, and you might at first glance think, well, well, the Ravens are more talented than all those teams. But again, the Ravens are beat up, and each of those teams has some young talent. So uh, the Ravens, I think you, you just got to gotta say any position that's not absolutely solidified by a, a bona fide star caliber player, it's, it's anyone's to take who's, who's hungry and is going to get the job done. Not to go too far down this tangent, but I, I would say for Ravens fans, again, adjusting expectations, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think the next two games, you have a uh, 20% chance of winning both, 40% chance of splitting, and then what's that left over? Another 40% chance of, of losing both. Um, so, like, yeah, like it's, it's not going to get better in the short term, I don't think. It's going to get worse, our, our, our playoff implications. But we have a nice ending of the season, in theory. Um, we also thought we would win this game handily. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> don't expect anything. Just watch the games and have fun. Maybe drink a beer. Uh, watch with, with uh, a family member. Hopefully you have a family member. Yeah. And I don't stay know. off social media when you're mad. <laughs> you know, if you need a friend during the game, let me know. I'll gladly text you during the game. Just try to enjoy yourself. If you need to yell at Skura, just send. Just yell at us instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I do want to talk about the wide receivers before we move on to the defense mainly to talk about our, our main soldier hollywood brown i think uh i've been a pretty big hollywood brown truther on this show but i gotta say his play yesterday was totally uninspiring incredibly lazy route running no separation but also like it just like i said it felt lazy it didn't feel didn't feel precise he only had production on like very simple like drag routes. It seemed he got a little like I don't know upset. Like I, he felt like he had no burst, and I don't know if it was because of the weather, but like no speed, no speed. And I just was really disappointed in his play. And just like rewatching the plays, I, I just I don't know. He didn't look like himself at all. Like even like injured. Hollywood Brown last year looked better than he looked in this game. We well, certainly struggled with getting separation. I mean, you know, he those corners that he was facing were were de- he definitely had the size disadvantage against that. But you know, you, you got to know how to get open, especially when you're a first round pick. And there's plenty of receivers who are you know smaller guys in the NFL who played really big and had outstanding careers. I mean, two guys used to play for the Ravens, Derek Mason and Steve Smith, both those guys, very undersized receivers, but you know, both them were always a matchup nightmare for any cornerback that went against them. I think it's a combination of not just Highwood's play, but just game script and, and just the fact that he doesn't seem like he's really at the stage in his career yet where he knows how to get contested balls. I've, can't remember i know we were talking about cadre ishmael having comments on twitter about hollywood's game i can't remember if it was him who said that he was hollywood needs to get more physical and contest balls when he's well covered or someone else but whoever pointed that out to me today i had to think back on it i'm just like i can't think of the last time i saw 
Hollywood Brown catch a pass where, you know, he hadn't beat his guy or, you know, was found a soft spot in the zone. Like, if, if I'm forgetting something, you guys can let me know. But, I mean, I think most of his production that he's had so far in his career has been when he was open. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, like, the just... I remember when he had those preseason snaps and we were losing our minds, or at least I was. Like, he just looked so crisp on those routes. Didn't see that. Didn't see that this game. Like, the route running just... Like, he was rounding off his cuts, and it wasn't... It wasn't sharp. I was disappointed. He can come back. He still could be good. If we weren't past the trading deadline in fantasy, I might even take a flyer on him. But it's not good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's something that you hope, you know, the, the vet leadership from, from Sneed and, and now Des Bryant on the team, you know, hopefully that might add, help add a little bit of perspective and be able to coach him up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to say, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a, a little surprised, I think, that we're starting to get some of this feedback about Hollywood just because, you know, I think a lot of the excuses were like, you know, oh, the O-line's not giving Wilmar time and, you know, oh, we're a run offense and Hollywood's just the second thought to a lot of these passing plays and, and things like that. But I would have thought that most of the negative feedback here probably would have gone toward some of the other younger guys on offense, particularly Miles Boykin. I know we've talked about him quite a bit. But uh, singing about Hollywood, I'm like, oh dang, nobody's nobody's immune to this. Like everybody's <laughs> well, got to step up. <laughs> Boykin was like non-existent in this game, right? I don't even think he had a marquee run block. Um, and Duvernay looked decent, you know. I think whenever that guy touches the ball, it seems nice. Uh, and then Sneed, just total hustle. I made a, a mention in one of our chats. Uh, I remember when he had his first breakout in New Orleans, and I picked him up on fantasy, and I wrote that success for a couple weeks. I always liked him from that moment on. And then when we got him, I was like, oh, I remember him. He, he could be all right. And he's, he's found second life in this offense the last couple of weeks. He's really been producing. He feels like the most trusty guy in the offense. More trusty than Mark Andrews. More trusty than, uh, than anyone. It's like you pass him the ball. He will make his best effort to catch it. And then he will try like hell to run away. And he'll be unsuccessful. <laughs> he will get caught. But, like, I mean, he, he's just a tryhard. I love watching him. He feels like, you know just hustling which is like yeah definitely an effort player yeah that's what it feels like Hollywood's not doing right now i feel a no hustle he like just wants to work out and like it's just it's just concerning i hope he picks it up he's a very good player he has all the potential in the world it just wasn't there this week ah well on that note i guess we can switch tracks to the defensive side of the football and as we discussed at the beginning there are injuries coming into this game with Calais Campbell not suiting up. And then as the game went on, we saw Brandon Williams go off with an ankle injury. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters came off at different points during the game, uh, but were able to finish the game at least. And we haven't heard anything additional on the injury front with those guys. Um, and LJ Fort forgot to mention that he was also an inactive for this game. And Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith as well. There's just... Unfortunately, there's so many injuries, you can't keep track of them all. <laughs> Seriously. Remember we were like, oh my gosh, half the uh, defense is going to be missing because of COVID? Because of their exposure to uh, Humphrey? No, they're going to be hurt. They're going to be hurt. <laughs> they all got hurt. <laughs> no. Come on, man. <laughs> can't catch a break. Yeah. It, I mean, it definitely hurts. Like, you know, like we said earlier, it's um, it's a lot different from 2019, where the Ravens were just blessed with no injuries for 
you know, at pretty much every position for the entire year. But, uh, you know, a lot of the guys will tell you and, you know, you watch all the pressers and they'll tell you, um, next man up, <laughs> you got to just perform well. And, uh, you know, it, looking at yesterday's game, you know, injuries, you know, they contributed a little bit. But to be honest, the Ravens just did not execute well. I, th- I think, Peter, you said it at the top of the, the show here and that Belichick's still the coach and, you know, he's a very smart coach for a reason. And what he tends to do is try and take away your best players or uh, pick on your worst players, really, in, in terms of his game plan. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, the uh, strength of the Patriots team is is in their run games and their O line, and uh, with some of the guys out, and you know again with some of the inexperience in our linebacker core, particularly without LJ Fort, uh, they got picked on a lot for sure. Um, I remember noting during the game, and and this was before the touchdown pass um, from Jacoby Myers to Rex Burkhead, but I, but I noted, I told you guys, I was like. Queen does, you know, basically everything we just said about Hollywood, about not playing inspired, like I felt like I saw that with Patrick Queen, um, just was not seeing him hit a lot of the holes. He was very tentative. Um, he wasn't really, you know, the first guy to be able to make the tackle. He, he'd, you know, pile on when maybe somebody else would, would make it. But, uh, you know, he was one of those guys where I just, I felt like he, he was being picked on for whatever reason. You know, it was the, you know, maybe he wasn't recognized some of the play that uh, the Patriots were throwing at him. Maybe he wasn't recognized as some of the, the, the O-line movement or something. Maybe he's hit a rookie wall. I don't know. But he, um, overall, I, I think he was probably one of the worst players on, on the defensive side of the ball yesterday. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something as a queen truther here. Uh, it hurts to say, but, you know, that's just what it was, at least for me. Yeah, he didn't look great. And I think as the game progressed, he looked almost worse because I'm hoping, you know, he gets that uh, that grown man strength, you know, in the second uh, season. You know, a lot of these rookies don't have quite the build year one and like year two, they can really work on their build because without Brandon Williams there to clean up some of these linemen, he was just getting manhandled. You know, his side to side play is top notch and he has all the ability in the world to be a good coverage guy. And, you know, he just had like that Burkhead play. Actually, I think he was covering pretty decent until like the last minute and then he kind of lost the ball and got a little confused. And that's when he lost the coverage. Yeah. And he also was a little hesitant, right? Like he had good coverage. and got hesitant, like you were saying. So, but yeah, you saw in the run game, they would like just tackle him and you would just see him drive back. And, uh, that, wasn't great. So hopefully over the off season, he's able to build up some more strength and, and compete a little bit better against those kind of players. I want to say a silver lining. We got a lot more Harris in this game and I thought he looked pretty good. He, he was making those impacts. I remember the first drive, you saw him just like push back his guard and kind of in the running lane. Uh, and it kind of imposed his will. He looked a little bit better. I saw him get exposed once or twice in the passing game, but he looked all right. And I think that's kind of cool. Maybe, you know, Queen had this huge flash at the beginning of the year, and then Harrison's going to make slow and steady progress to be a uh, contributor on the defense. And I also want to give a shout out to Board. Last year, we were talking about Board being this guy, like one of the one of the solutions of the middle linebacker position. It never happened. He, uh, I think he was hurt, right? So that was disappointing. But this year, he's starting to really come into his own. He made a couple big plays this game, and uh, that was good. I still want LJ Fort back, though. I think, in a way, he makes the whole defense tick. 
he's a very interesting and critical part. Just does a lot of things right. He won't burn you. He's kind of like the uh, the Bozeman, right? Of uh, <laughs> of the defense. He's just very steady, kind of reliable. Yeah, I think the Ravens are are desperately missing that veteran presence uh, to help out Harrison and Queen back there. Um, maybe because we you know we did talk last week. You know, both Queen and Harrison. Like they were making a lot of plays against the Colts, and really that the defense had one of its best showings of the year, really one of the best showings of the past couple of seasons against the Colts. Um, so, and uh, it, was, it was a different story on Sunday night, but hopefully they can get Fort back because that'll help solidify some things. But there are some good things to talk about with the defense, despite all the outcome that was had. I mean, the pass defense really didn't have a bad night at all. Like, they held the Patriots to only 135 yards to the air. We joked with with Chris that uh, Jacoby Myers and what's the other guy's name? Darius Bird? He's not even on the stat sheet. They didn't even target him. He got no catches. <laughs> Myers got five for 59. Okay, that's, that's not, that's not going to beat you. Like, the pass defense did what it needed to do. Granted, you know, if we're going to blame the rain on some of the issues the Ravens had, we got to do the same thing for the Patriots. The rain was a defensive player on both sides for this game. But, yeah, in, in spite of some good plays by, by Harrison and Derek Wolf, I thought, had a, a decent game as a run stopper in this game. Just setting the edge consistently was a huge issue this game. A good amount of the rushes that... Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris got were off tackle. Um, I think the the one that was the drive that's most deflating, in my opinion, was the drive right after halftime. Yeah, uh, that yep. was the time. You know, last week when the Ravens were exiting the the locker room, where now granted they had the ball on offense first, and they came out and they established, okay, things didn't go well in the first half. We're going to have our second half adjustments, and this is how we're going to stabilize and get this game back in our favor. But the same did not happen to start the second half in this game. Patriots got the ball first. It only took them four plays to drive 75 yards. Three of those plays were rushes. One of those was a pass to Jacoby Myers, 26 yards, and then Marcus Peters had an ill-advised penalty. But, yeah, I feel like if, if you want to talk about how this game got out of control... If the defense is able to go out there and get a stop on that first drive, I think we're talking about how the Ravens salvaged a sloppy game to eke out a three-point victory last night. Yeah, I remember that drive. That was so confusing. It, it just—it seemed like the guys were just still in the locker room or something. Like they weren't dialed in. It was very like it was very much a just like a mental mistake after mental mistake after mental mistake, and it was just like guys, like what like you know, you're down here. Like, what do you do? Like, this isn't how we, <laughs> this isn't how the Ravens play. You know, it was, it was just very uncharacteristic of the team. And, you know, all the more surprising too is that they had a couple of good stops after that, particularly in the fourth quarter where, you know, again, like you mentioned Derek Wolf, Peter, I thought he looked, you know, he looked fired up in the second half after that drive in particular. Like, I'm looking at him, I'm like, dang, he's starting to look like Ray out there. Like, you know, he's getting angry, like getting himself pumped up. Like, I hope this rubs off on the rest of the defense. But uh, but yeah, that first drive after halftime was just the complete opposite. I, I don't know if it was just, you know, maybe the weather, the guys are like, 
we don't want to be out here which i wouldn't blame them <laughs> but you know it you gotta show up on game day man you got you just gotta, you just gotta finish the game yes uh i also felt like i was still in the locker room i remember when i was watching the game live i was like what just happened they just scored and i felt like nothing like in particular happened but they just drove right down the field la di da and uh, I was like, wow. So that's one of the big reasons I rewatched the game this morning. I was like, what happened that drive? I just felt like <laughs> before you knew it, they were walking into the end zone. I was confused. And uh, <laughs> and that's a good point, Peter. Like if that if that drive was cleaner, they might have been all right because they had that three and out. And, you know, if the offense was able to reply back and they weren't uh, on that next drive, you know, that could be a completely different ball game. I will say. I did point it out when we were watching the game. I said they can't score here because it's so hard in this weather to come back. I feel like it's easier to hold on to your lead than come back. Uh, the amount of possessions, you know, I count each possession like you know one Ravens, you know, two Patriots, right? It was it was a lower number by like two three drives on both sides uh, than normal. So it was a slower rate of game, and it was just diff- more difficult to come back. One thing I do wonder about the the way the the Ravens prepared for this game at one point during the broadcast in the late first quarter, early second quarter, one of the play by play guys can't remember if it was Michaels or Collins was talking about how they had interviewed the the Patriots offensive coordinator before the game. And he was talking about how they're going to throw out all their, their creative plays at the beginning of the game, because once the the rain gets too bad, like they don't, they know that they're not going to be able to run anything. And, I just wonder if the Ravens had the same approach because like they had to have looked at the at the weather forecast going into this game and, and realized that what you had was a possibility. I just wonder if, if the if the Ravens adjusted or or how much they took the weather into account as they created their game plan for the week and if that changed anything. I don't know. That's a really good point because it did get progressively worse as the game went along. And even like at the very beginning of the game, they mentioned the rain's going to get worse, right? Like this is like the best it's going to be all game. And I did love the tweet. And, you know, this is another great reason to follow us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap, where uh, one of the guys I follow, he said, uh, first it was taking film of the other opposing team. And now they installed monsoon machines because on the last drive <laughs> for the Ravens, it rained so much harder than the whole rest of the game. Right, like it was dramatically worse from a camera perspective. But then it, I don't know if you noticed when Cam Newton had to just kneel the ball. It was pretty mild. <laughs> it, like that monsoon came at the worst possible time for the Ravens on their comeback drive uh, with with sixty five seconds left. Right, like <laughs> I just thought it was yeah. so funny. How much did the Patriots have to fork over to sign Thor? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. By the time they got the ball at the end of the game, there, I was like, there, "There's just, there's just no way. <laughs> like we're we're already down Boyle. We can't run the ball. There's no timeouts. We can't throw it. Not with all this rain. I just, you know, just like might as well pack it up and just get out and <laughs> get dry. I mean, they couldn't even hold on to the ball. The drive before it, there was two drops, right? Like, yeah, the ball was was slippery, <laughs> and it was from people that you know, like Willie Sneed dropped the ball. Willie Sneed does not drop balls. That guy gets the ball. <laughs> like, that's what we've yeah. established, right? So, it was just bad. It was just so bad. I, I do think it's interesting. I want to comment on this before we wrap up. That when we were talking last night, we said, you know what? We can't take anything away from this game. The rain was a mess. The players were getting injured. Like, 
it just felt like almost a lost game. Like, just forget it as fast as possible and move on. But as we've, I guess, sobered, uh, I think just from the, the loss, you know, like we got through like all the, the emotions and whatnot. It's now we're just like bleak about the team in general because we keep saying we've been saying for weeks now they need to like tie up this, they need to tie up that, but for weeks it has not happened, and it still can happen. And because of the landscape of seven teams making the playoffs and the head start we have and the nice end of the year schedule, like it's still possible that the Ravens make it into the playoffs and then anything can happen. But there's just no confidence right now. There's no confidence in anything, and. I think that's where I am right now. I have zero confidence in this team, but that's okay because I've had many years of watching the Ravens as a diehard fan where I had no confidence in the team and they did all right. Some of those seasons, <laughs> you know, no confidence is okay. We can still, it just makes a, a lot of heartburn. Interesting. I will say, yeah, I think this is a really hard game to judge. Absolutely. Your coaching staff should have a game plan for the weather. That's that, they're going to be facing in the game. But at the same time, like how many games are the Ravens going to be playing when this is the conditions that, that you're going to be, be in? I, I, I just think as much as you should have a coaching staff that's prepared for absolutely anything that could happen, it, it's hard to judge what, what much from, from this game. And it's hard for us to say, would this game have been the same if we, there were clear sky conditions? I don't know. That's not to take anything away from the Patriots. They played way better and had a much better game plan than we were expecting, especially after, you know, yes, we recorded our predictions before we saw what happened on that Monday night game. I will double down and say that I would have still said that the Ravens would have shut out the Patriots after seeing the Patriots finally allow the Joe Flacco, Brashad Perryman show that we all expected was going to happen in 2015 to finally solidify <laughs> five years later. Like, <laughs> I, I had even that more confidence. That was pretty great to watch. It was great to watch. I mean, gosh, you know, <laughs> say what you will about Joe Flacco. He solidified the quarterback position for the Ravens, got us a Super Bowl, had plenty of winning seasons. You know, what more can you ask for a player? And not every player is going to be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, I, I think I felt more confident that the in the Ravens to be able to be, win this game handily after seeing how much the Patriots struggled against the Jets. That yeah, from from that perspective, this game I think is a big blow to our confidence because of that. But at the same time, these games happen, and every season that the Ravens have had, they've lost a game that they should have won. Maybe with the exception of last year, I think we got spoiled after last year. I mean, and the Browns game, though, right? We got our asses canned to us in the Browns game, and no one really expected that. That is right? true. The Browns game. Like, I, th- that, that that we were so downtrodden. Yeah. That one happened so <laughs> early, though. Like, I almost don't really consider September. I consider September <laughs> extended preseason. Like, those first four games, like, I, they yeah. don't really mean much, in my opinion. November and December games, man. Those are the important ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, this time last year, you know, we were... We were celebrating uh, a huge performance by the Ravens offense after, you know, we went and saw the Ravens live and the only Coronas that anyone were catching were ones being thrown by, by beer men <laughs> in the stands. <laughs> you know, Romo. so yeah, I mean, if you, if you're looking at where we felt about the Ravens at this point last year and after this game, it's a world of difference. Absolutely. I mean, we were chanting MVP. <laughs> it was great. We <laughs> and now people want Greg Roman run out of town. It's insane. But 
yeah, I, I'm not saying that 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 you know people are wrong to have zero confidence in the Ravens right now. I'm. We may. We could see this team. We we could legitimately see this team not make the playoffs when this season ends. Like that's in the cards with how competitive the AFC is this year. But at the same time, I do still think that there is the potential as long as number eight's back there for this team to make a deep playoff run. But we're just going to have to see how the rest of the season pans out. I think that sums it up real well, guys. Let's uh, get into the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Like I, I teased Ravens underscore recap on Twitter is where it's at. Definitely a good follow. I do say so myself. <laughs> we have a lot of fun there. And uh, reach out, feedback at ravensrecap.com. We're going to have Titans fan Tim. If remember from last year, he was a good guest. I'm excited to talk to him. I haven't really talked to him since the win. I could send him an email saying, hey, you know, congrats. But definitely excited to talk about this game with you all. And uh, yeah, let's, let's bounce back, Ravens. How about that? Sounds good. Let's do it.